Hallelujah. Are we rocking and rolling on the recording thing? Cool. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That was great, Mike and the gang. That was superb. Well done. Really uh, lifts your heart up, doesn't it, to just sort of come into the presence of God like that and to turn your focus onto him. There's something about corporate worship which I think is very powerful. And I think in the different kind of expressions of church that are going on in this season, I think there always needs to be a place for corporate worship where we come together. Ooh, I feel a bit close to Phil Dowding there. That's a bit intimidating. <laughs> Uh, because it's powerful. It's the, it's the one time when we come together and we make some superb declarations in song. And it's like we all join together and we're on the same page at the same time. So anyway, the joy of the Lord. Ho, ho. I'm going to come over this side because there's more people over this side. There we go. Then I can look at you, Phil. There we go. I just want to don't the thing going in my eyes. Um, so the joy of the Lord, we're on the, on the theme of joy and hope uh, this month, and uh, we're coming at it from different angles. We're going to have a few people speaking on it, and of course at the end we've got Steve Backland from uh, Bethel coming, and uh, he, as Heather said, is Mr. Joy and Hope, and uh, I hope we can fit everyone into this room and that uh, we have, don't have another kind of Roy, God, Rod, Roy Godwin plus uh, situation going on. Otherwise, we might be sitting outside on the road and opening the windows. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a good time. I, I thought we, I would f- focus mainly on joy this week, hope. I mean, if you need to know anything about hope at all, you can go and talk to the Thomas family about a couple of football matches that are going on this afternoon. Because <laughs> there is hope personified in that household. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, hope and joy are very much linked, as we'll see. But um, I'll start off with a little story, okay, because we have to get in the mood. A church secretary takes a call in America. I hate to add. The caller says, morning, ma'am. Is the head hog at the trough there? The secretary says, please, sir, do not refer to our pastor as the head hog at the trough. That is very insulting. Oh, I'm very sorry. I meant nothing by that. It's just a local phrase from my part of the country I come from. The real reason I'm calling is to donate $50,000 to your uh, building fund. The secretary says, one moment, sir. I see the big oinker coming in the door now. (laughs) I liked it. It was funny. Did you know that children, on average, laugh around 400 times a day? When we get to my grumbly old age, it's more like 15. It's not enough. It's not enough. Something happens to us, I think, as we get older. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. And they're all very valid. I mean, I, you could probably talk to anyone here today who's an adult. And we are, we are facing problems, aren't we? We face problems on a daily basis. And um, those things can begin to overwhelm us. They can begin to get on top of us. And they can rob us 
of our joy in those times, we don't feel like playing. We don't feel like laughing, you know. And what it does is it robs a very vital component out of our lives. You know, there are some incredible um, medical benefits from laughter. Clinically proven benefits. They've done uh, some tests in a variety of hospitals around the world. And it is clinically proven that laughing can reduce stress, lower your blood pressure. It releases endorphins into your system the same way that exercise does, which is the happy hormone that kind of just gives you that sense of well-being about life. And it can strengthen your immune system. They actually, I was reading about this, they did a test on people with allergies and they exposed a number of people in a a test. One group who who was sat and watching the Charlie Chaplin film and another group that were sort of not watching it, they were watching something serious and they exposed them to things that they were allergic to. And the ones that were laughing responded much less than the ones that weren't. There is something about laughing which, yeah, it's interesting. It's all interesting, but we know that we know when we laugh, it's really good, isn't it? It just feels good. It, it's, there's something about it. And then when we do it, we think, oh, why don't we do it more? Why don't we do it more? And uh, so let's begin to look at the joy of the Lord. What is joy, first of all? Definition, we sometimes start with a definition. It's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness a deep feeling or condition of happiness, contentment, intense and especially ecstatic or exultant happiness. All of those things. And we want them. We'll take, I'll take that, as Paul said. That is going to be the expression of the month. I'll take that. Every time you hear something that you want, just say, I'll have that. So, yeah, joy. Um. As I said, hope and joy are definitely linked. They are very, very linked in a, a lot of things. So there are, there's the scripture I've been quoting for about two years now, Proverbs 13:12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is like the tree of life. You know, there, there is this thing where things that we're hoping for, when they tarry and they go on and on and on, it does kind of make you robbed of your joy doesn't it but when you get things fulfilled it is there's a real joy that is released in that um so you know hope is obviously linked into there and we've got to keep it in mind and probably a lot of the things that i touch on that release joy are based in hope as well so but you can kind of build that into your own uh own message if you get bored with the one i'm bringing So let's just have a look at a little foundation. Um, So Psalms 2 verse 4 says, The one who rules in heaven laughs. It says he laughs at his enemies. He scoffs at them. Okay, so he laughs. God laughs. The Father laughs. I, I believe the Father is a cheerful person. He is not someone who is sitting up there wringing his hands and saying, oh my goodness, what are they getting up to now? I'm not sure this is going to work out. He holds the whole of creation in the palm of his hand. He sees outside of all of that stuff, and he is secure. 
He is secure, incredibly secure. He loves us so much and he really wants us to receive. Someone's getting it already over there. Okay, Jesus was anointed with joy more than his companions. Hebrews 1. Got a lot of scriptures today because I thought I'd just throw the scriptures in to sort of lay this foundation. Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. You know, it's funny when we think about Jesus in our images, in our Western images, we... We kind of have this very somber guy, don't you, that was kind of you brood of vipers that he says to his to the Pharisees and oh, you have little faith and all of that. Those are the bits we remember, aren't they? But there's actually some scriptures in there which indicate he was a very joyful person. In fact, that scripture says he was more joyful than anyone else. He had a bigger dose of the oil of joy. And so. And John fifteen seven to 11, that your joy may be complete and overflow out of you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He says, this is Jesus speaking. So again, it's indicating that Jesus has got joy. He's got joy enough for his own needs, but also enough to overflow into the lives of others. And that's what he wants for his disciples, that they would have joy and that joy would overflow into others. There was this little story that Heather reminded me of yesterday from Luke. Um, when the 72 disciples returned, Luke 10, 17 to 21. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And then I'm cutting a little bit out there. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. He was filled with the joy of the spirit. Now, it's interesting when we say, you know, children laughing 400 times a day, adults 15 times Yeah, it's true. I put my hand up. I am a serious person. I, it, you know. Let's just laugh at that. Yeah. Let's just laugh at me, all right? Perhaps I should have come on in a clown's outfit. That would have uh, illustrated the point a little bit more. Um, but Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You'll ne- you won't see it. You won't lay hold of it. I think there is something to choosing to at times say, okay, I relinquish the right to be grown up. I'm just going to be a little bit childlike and I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to have fun. 
pay. Now, we all, the famous scripture uh, in Nehemiah 8.10 is that um, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and we've already looked, you know, there are health benefits. I, I wonder if that's what it meant. I mean, when you read that scripture, it's kind of one of those things that's bolted on the end of a, of a sentence, isn't it? It says, Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share the gifts with the people who have uh, nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's kind of one of those things where the joy of the Lord is your strength doesn't really fit in terribly well. It's, it's sort of like, but it's thrown in and, and we receive it. And I believe the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, quite often, if you're in a situation where you are faced by overwhelming circumstances, you know, if the joy of the Lord comes on you, if the Lord releases that spirit of praise in your heart that just lets you do what Heather did. It can. <laughs> I can't get up that high. Show me. Indeed. Right. Wife, I require you to illustrate that every five minutes through my sermon now. Well, I kicked off my shoes. That's part of the way, anyway. Um, what on earth was I saying? I was saying, yeah, it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you can actually take your eyes off the circumstances and get consumed by the presence of God and by his face and by his mightiness and to be able to really just praise his name, it, it releases something in you that strengthens you. That's what encouragement means, isn't it? It means to give courage, to receive courage. And it's like when we prophesy over people, it says that we, we do it for their um, exhortation, for their encouragement and for their comfort. It's for their building up, their strengthening it's speaking the word of the Lord to them. And it actually puts an inner strength within you. And I think that is something to do with what happens when the joy of the Lord is released upon us. And Proverbs 17:22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Okay, so a merry heart. I think the Lord wants us to have a merry heart, to not be quite so serious all the time i think it is in, it is like a fundamental part of the package of the kingdom as well jesus stood up and prophesied didn't he from isaiah when he first stood up in the uh, in the uh, wherever it was he stood up to preach this first thing what's it called synagogue thank you very much sometimes these words just elude you don't they at the critical moment but he said the spirit of god is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to, and he begins a little bullet list, to preach good tidings, good news to the poor. 
sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. You know, that was, that's the kingdom in a, in a, in a paragraph, isn't it? That is what Jesus came to do. It, it encompasses everything that he did when he came to earth. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons, he fed the hungry, he, he uh, comforted those that were mourning, he, uh, he forgave the sins of those who were caught in sin and all of that stuff. That is the kingdom. And right there in the middle of it is the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's in there. That's, that's what he came to do. He came, what he did on that cross was so that joy could be released in our lives. And when we realize it and when we grab hold of actually what he has done for us and that that weight is lifted off us, joy starts to rise up. Romans 14 says, The kingdom of God is not of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy, there again. You know, I did a quick search in the, um, in, in the on, uh, computer Bible. I think it came up with about 150 mentions of joy in different scriptures around. That's a lot of times. But it is a significant part, and yet one that has become more and more um, sort of just sidelined, really. And it's because we've become serious. It's because we've become grown up. You know, how much does pride get in the way? Well, it's not cool to laugh. It's not cool to be happy you know it's or you know i need to be unrespectable i've i can't can't be silly and all of that stuff that's just pride when actually we're, we're chopping out a part of our lives that is you know really designed to be good for us we are designed to be joyful may you be joyful this afternoon so but what about when bad things happen? What, what about all that stuff? You know, I, we're, sometimes when we're um, speaking and preaching, it's like we, it can look like we're presenting a very much a one-sided picture. Well, we make no excuse for that because what we're doing is addressing the balance. You know, and like if we're, we're, we decide to preach healing or whatever, we say, you know, these signs will follow them that believe, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. By his stripes we're healed and all of that. And we'll, we'll preach it and we'll proclaim it. And people say, oh, yeah, but what about the people that do uh, die? Or what about the people that don't get healed and that? Well, we don't, we don't ignore that. We say that's, that's true. But what we're saying is God's best intention for our lives is this, that all are healed, like all that came to Jesus are healed. And so that's what we believe, and that's what we preach, and that's what we proclaim. Now, in the same way, I'm preaching joy here, and I'm saying, like, joy needs to be released in our lives. There are a lot of circumstances that give us good reason to not be joyful. 
So what about those things? And uh, I think, you know, Paul had it. He had a right perspective on his situations because he says, when I suffer diverse uh, testings and uh, all of these different things, he says, I rejoice in those sufferings. Okay. Yeah. And you can just look at that. I rejoice in those sufferings. I rejoice. I don't rejoice because of the sufferings necessarily. I mean, you can read it different ways, but it says he rejoices in the suffering. I think there's a power. There's a power to be released that sometime is the key to the door to get out of the sufferings. And, and because we get so focused on the suffering itself, rather than on him, we kind of lose sight of the key. And so to, res- to rejoice, it says, I rejoice in those sufferings because when I am weak, then I am strong. That's his key. He says, when I'm weak, when I can't do anything about it, then I am strong because he does it in me. That is his key that he's grabbing hold of. And rejoicing is a way of him taking his eyes off the problem and onto the solution. So... Psalm 30, 4 and 5 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I think that scripture says, um, you know, a lot about the proportions of things that go on. I mean, like, take a look at Job, for example. Often people look at Job and say, well, this is a good reason why God allows suffering to come in, you know, and therefore we should expect it. On every, let's just laugh at that. Um, ha, ha, ha. But actually, Job was only experiencing those things for a very small portion of his life. You remember the bit before where he was blessed beyond measure and the bit afterwards where he was blessed doubly beyond all measure. You know, that was the pattern and that was the proportion. You know, in this scripture, it says his anger is for a moment, but favor is for life. It's for the whole thing. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is for the rest of the time. That's where we're supposed to um, reside. That's where we're supposed to reside. Jesus, it is said of Jesus that for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross. So by focusing on the joy, by focusing on the good thing, he was able to go through the most difficult thing of dying on a cross. So it puts all of our problems into perspective when we think of what Jesus went through. So how do, how do we get it? How do we get joy? And I, you know, there's a, we were having a little conversation about this last night. We were at a meeting and a very anointed man of God was there and there was a lot of ministry time afterwards and all of that stuff, you know, typical thing. And it was good. It was lovely. It was, it was a great time. The presence of God was there. And we were talking about falling over. And I thought, what a strange thing it is, isn't it? This, whole, this culture of falling over and stuff. Um, but I learned something when I was over in Malaysia. And I, I had this thing where I kind of look on and analyze like mad and look at things and say, why are they doing that? Is that strictly necessary? You know, and it is like, 
And I, I spend my time on the outside looking in, okay? And I sometimes miss the moment badly. <laughs> and um, when I was over there at that time, when I had this major encounter with God in terms of receiving his presence, I took a decision to not do that, but to say, right, this guy's the teacher. I'm the student. What he says, I'll do. If he says, stand on your head on the chair, I'll give it a go, you know, and I will cooperate. And I think there is something about this cooperation. It's a little bit like Heather was talking about speaking in tongues at the beginning of the meeting. You know, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and, and gives you the gift to speak in tongues, if you go... I'm not doing it until he makes me do it. It won't happen. There is something that needs to cooperate with that process, isn't there? There's something you have to start just kind of making a bit of a noise somewhere along the line. And then the flow begins to come. That's how it begins to happen. And I think that's a great picture for a lot of things to do with receiving the things of the Spirit. And I have found that when I'm in these ministry situations, I don't particularly like falling over. I, I will be honest about it. It's like, it's not, you know, I have said it's not my thing or whatever. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> God's going to polex me one of these days. But I do find that when I cooperate with what's going on, like if I go along and brace myself like this, you can guarantee I will not fall over, okay? And, and someone may try and push you and stuff like that. Who cares? Get over it. But I have found when I begin to cooperate a little bit with it, actually I feel the presence of God starting to come as I cooperate. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to make it all up and pretend and everything. But there is an element where you begin to cooperate with the process. And I think it's like this with joy, I think we are like Peter Pan in Hook. He's forgotten how to fly, Captain. <laughs> he's been away so long that he's forgotten how to fly. That's my impression. Um, but it's true. It is true. You know, and, and uh, the, as one of my all-time favourite films, that is a great picture about Peter Pan, who's gone away. Peter Pan left Neverland. And, and became chairman of the board of some company and all these responsibilities came on. He made a lot of money, he got a family and he kept was trying to juggle all of these things. And by the time he needed to pull on something that was his, he'd forgotten how to do it. And he couldn't fly, he couldn't fight, he couldn't crow. He couldn't do any of those things to save his kids. And he had to relearn. He had to have it awakened in him again. And I think sometimes with joy... We can, we can get like that. We can get like that. We can get so that we've become a little bit cynical. And a few tips for helping with this process. Okay, practical tips. Watch funny stuff. You know, watch some of those, vi those videos of animals falling off things. They are, everyone's laughing immediately. Well, the boys are anyway. But some of them are hilarious. And it just makes you laugh. Get in the habit of laughing just get in the habit of it you know uh, another tip don't laugh on the inside you know we contain every <coughs> okay 
It's like, or, or you just think, yeah, that's fine. You give it a bit of a smile. Or whatever. Do the cool thing. Begin to express it. Just cooperate with it. Laugh out loud. Teach yourself how to do it again. When was the last time you had a hearty laugh? It does happen, doesn't it? It does happen. I remember doing it in school where you just couldn't stop laughing and you'd get in all sorts of trouble. And the more you looked at someone, the more you just like you didn't even know what you were laughing about or anything. But we just need to sort of teach ourselves how to do it again. One very important scripture, which was read out this morning, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life, because in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's in his presence that joy is really found, the fullness of joy. And, you know, this kind of ties up with the hope deferred makes the heart sick and the dream fulfilled is a true life, because I, I suspect at the heart of every single person in this room to actually know the presence of God and to feel the presence of God, to experience his loving arms around you, is probably the top of our hope list. Above everything else, above kind of, you know, getting out of debt, above getting married, above this, that and the other, is to just know the presence of God. It is just such an amazing thing that, you know, our hearts have pursued. We, we've been given different sort of encounters at different times that have just drawn us further on further on every time you experience the presence of god it just ruins you again and you just then you can't live without it and you just got to keep kind of pushing forward and in his presence there is fullness of joy seek the presence of god make time to get in his presence make time to worship you know we're having a time at the moment where we've said we're not watching any TV for three weeks. I'm doing a little kind of Daniel fast. No TV, no booze, nothing. Okay? No chocolate, no snacks, no crisps, no puddings, no. Ugh. But I tell you what, it is amazing how much time you have. It is amazing how much time if you don't put the TV on and you come in and you think, what should we do? And you, you know, and you can like worship you can you can pray you can get in his presence we can make time like i probably wouldn't have gone to this meeting last night had i been watching tv because the voice is on and i like the voice okay uh, but i didn't and i went and it was great to just spend time in worship and yet I, I feel like our exposure to the presence of god has become quite contained and quite limited it's, it's become a little bit sanitary <laughs> in our lives and we've just kind of contained it into a bit like the Sunday morning where we can inoculate ourselves for the next week, which will get us through to the next week. Whereas really, we're designed to be with him every day and to experience his presence and to walk with his presence and, and to hear his voice and to just feel his touch on us as we go about our, our jobs from day to day. It is possible to lose that sense of his presence and lose the, the joy, um, lose the joy out of our lives because David wrote famously, didn't he, in Psalms 51 after he'd been caught in the act of adultery <coughs> and he'd um, come back to 
the Lord and repented and said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. There is an amazing joy in his salvation, in the whole salvation, that kingdom package I was talking about. All of the stuff that he won for us on the cross, there's an amazing joy that can get released. And apart from anything, I think there is an amazing joy to be released when we go on adventures with God, when we do things with him. And again, you know, having more opportunities to do things I I find it because I'm running a business as well and I'm I'm doing chair of governors at the school. I get very busy and it's very easy for me to when I'm right when I've got my chart house hat on to just start going through a list and just start. I've got to do this. I've got to get this done and this. So where's this money coming from and and all of that stuff. And it is very easy for me to do that without any consciousness of the presence of God in it. It's easy. Uh, uh, because that's what I do. When I go to the school and I'm doing the chair of governors thing, it's easy for me to just go through the, through the jobs, the things I've got to do. But it's not good. Because what it does is remove that joy of the Lord yeah. out of it. Whereas he has designed that that should invade the whole process so that the whole thing becomes joyful. And I think we need to just take stock again. And just make some choices. Make some choices about making more time available. About choosing to be joyful. Choosing to be happy people. I love that story from Bethel about the guy who turned up at church. That um, homeless guy who'd been living in a van. And he turned up at church one morning and got saved. Went up the front. Every week they they issue a, a thing saying, does anyone here want to know Jesus? And they come up the front he went up the front and the guy who was talking to him said so how did you come to be here did someone bring you and he said no i would i just drove up the road and i followed all the happy people because i wanted to find out where they were going whoa that's good we'd like that testimony is that what we look like in the car i love that is that what we look like in the car as we're coming to church do we think yeah presence of God's going to be here. It's, let's get there. Let's do it. And you know, and I've you know said before that place is amazing. People are queuing at half past seven to make sure they get a seat. There is an anticipation and an excitement about the presence of God. So anyway, I think that's enough. Uh, we've um, I've got about four minutes till my quarter past. I think what we'll do just before. Let's just stand a minute. Whoa. What we'll do is just laugh. <laughs> Start off. Do a practical. Okay, I want you all to turn around to the person next to you and tell them a joke. <laughs> no, no, we won't do that. That's, that'll put pressure on people. We'll get Joel to come and tell us all a joke because he knows enough for everyone. Let me just... Re- let me just... Um, they're taking me seriously. If you find a really good one, you can come up here and tell them. Right. Let me, let me just pray. I want to proclaim a blessing over you from Romans 15, 13. 
Okay? I pray that God, the source of hope, he is the very source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, I'll have that. (laughs) Amen.